Hi everyone, welcome to If I Go Missing. I'm your host, Megan. Hi, I'm Lynn. Each week, we will bring you a new missing person story. Some have resolutions and some don't, but everyone still deserves to have their story told. researching and covering well-known cases, I also like to cover the cases that do not get as much media attention as they deserve. This is one of the cases that did not get the media attention it was deserved. This is the case of a 30-year-old woman named Kaylin Louder from Murray, Utah. On January 21st, 1984, twins Kaylin and Colton Louder were born to Jesse and Susan Ackerman Louder. Kaylin Louder didn't have what you might call an easy go of it in life. Maybe it was because of some of this that Kaylin seemingly wanted to do some good in the world. So she ended up getting her bachelor's in social work from Utah State University in 2006. Having gotten her bachelor's in social work from Utah State University in 2006, in the next three years, Kaylin would go through a series of tragic events that were tied to her family. In 2009, not long after the new year began, it was already off to a rocky start for Kaylin and her family. On February 27, 2009, Kaylin's uncle, a man named Jeffrey Ackerman, was shot and killed. At age 25, Colton Louder was booked into the Utah County Jail on suspicion of burglary and murder in the death of his uncle, Jeffrey Boyd Ackerman. Police said a fight began at Ackerman's father's house. Ackerman chased Louder through backyards until Louder allegedly turned and fatally shot his uncle at about 12.45 p.m. The family believes Jeff Ackerman was chasing Colton to try and help him and Colton was scared because of whatever drugs he was on had induced some sort of drug paranoia. This drug-induced paranoia is more than likely what caused Colton to turn around and shoot his uncle. Now, as you can imagine, this was devastating to the family. They had lost one family member due to drug-fueled acts and another due to his own actions because of addiction struggles. So there's definitely an issue here. You can definitely see why she would want to do some good in the world. Amen. Because that, that's a rough life right there. It really is for everybody I mean, involved. It's, it's bad enough if there's one in your family that has an addiction, that has an, a problem. But it sounds like there's a lot more than one. Fast forward roughly nine months later on November 27, 2009, Kaylin's twin brother Colton would plead guilty to manslaughter and was sentenced to five years to life in prison for killing their uncle. Mm, that's sad. I know this may seem kind of unrelated, but I'm telling you guys this to give you some background information on Kaylin and her life and things that could have affected her mental state. Kaylin had difficulties finding gainful employment and was unemployed for a period of time. She finally found work for a little while at a boy's home, but sometime around the area of August to September of 2014, Kaylin lost her job at the boy's home. People expected that she had lost her job because they noticed that she was also doing some dog sitting for a company on the side named Rover. Do you know, you know that company? 
I'm not familiar with that. Rover, it's like Uber for dogs. <laughs> okay. I mean, not really Uber, but it's like, it's like care.com for dogs. Okay. Yeah, just I've never heard of it. It's not something we really have like in the yeah. more rural areas. Yeah. Definitely. And I'm honestly unclear as to why her working for a rover would matter to her current job because for some reason the two seem to have been tied together her losing the job her working with rover some employers do not want you working for anyone else it they feel that you can't be devoted you're gonna you're gonna want to hurry and get off at the clock because you got to get to the other one all this stuff Kaylin louder was not someone you would expect to disappear, but that's exactly what happened on September 27, 2014 in Murray, Utah. Her disappearance came after several bizarre phone calls placed the day prior to her going missing. On September 26, 2014, a little past 9 p.m., Kaylin makes a call to 911. During the call, she insists that there is a fight going on in her condo's clubhouse. The dispatcher asks if weapons are involved, to which she responds, guns. When police arrive, they find a wedding reception in the clubhouse with no signs of an altercation. All guests also confirmed that no fight ever took place. Kaylin then reported that she suspected that there were two intruders as she had overheard snippets of a conversation in which one intruder said, hey, go in there. On the recordings, though, Kaylin's roommate, Carol, is heard in the background questioning Kaylin's report of an intrusion. Carol remarks that the doors were secured and that it was impossible for someone to have broken in. One hour later, Kaylin dials 911 again, but hangs up before the call is answered. Police call her back, and during the call, Kaylin sounds confused and sounds as though she's having trouble remembering her address. Throughout the call, she is mumbling and is difficult to understand. She does mention that her roommate thinks she is delusional and paranoid. I'm sorry, I agree with the roommate, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. And yeah. honestly, to me, like if you if the same number using the yeah. same address calls several times in a row mm -hmm. and is making false accusations that she believes to be real. Right. Why don't you go do a welfare check on that person? Yeah. That would make a lot of sense. I, th I feel like this was solved a lot of problems. Yeah, I totally agree because it sounds like she was, she believed these things were happening. And she I don't believe know. what she was reporting. Yeah, she, she definitely believed that. Right. And I don't know if it's drug induced and honestly, I've never seen any reports of her on drugs, so yeah. maybe it was like a schizophrenia-induced. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm thinking. It's, but somebody needed a to check reason. on her. Mm -hmm. Because after all of the struggle with drugs in her family, exactly. I don't see it being a drug-induced reason. Yeah. Or a drug-induced paranoia. Right. But I do totally see it mm -hmm. being some sort of mental break, maybe, because yeah. the girls had enough. Agreed. Yeah. At... 8.18 the following day, Kaylin makes her final 911 call before her disappearance. She claims there is an intruder in her home. During the call, she is extremely distressed. While her roommate insists no one can be in the house, again, as the door is bolted and everything is still locked up. Police then report they can hear Kaylin yelling in the background of the call for the intruder to leave. When police arrive at the home, they find no signs of a break-in or a robbery. Her roommate states no one else was in the home. And at 3.30 p.m., 
And then again at 5.45 p.m. on the same day, Kaylin is spotted on a security camera outside her condo by an area which leads to a creek. At 3.30, she is seen outside in the rain dressed in shorts, a tank top, and completely barefoot. Later, the same cameras catch her around 5.45 p.m. as she is seen this time running. However, the speed at which she's running really suggests that nothing's chasing her. Just kind of like, oh, I've been caught in the rain. I need to, like, run back to the apartment. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I watched the video myself, and it, I don't know. She wasn't running for her life. Yeah, she was not running for her life. Okay, interesting. And if she was, she was not running very fast. Um, I, I think poor Kaylin. It's finally had a psychotic break of some sort at this time. The last clip shows her carrying her dog back into the same location outside. She's very animated throughout all of these clips and is either talking to herself or the dog in the final clip. This was her last known location. Later that day, September 27th, 2014, Kaylin Louders reported missing. When Kaylin's sister, Maddie Rodriguez, listened to the recordings, of the 911 calls, she didn't hear anything like off-putting in her sister's voice. She just said that her sister sounded very scared. Hey, maybe because we didn't know Kaylin, but it did. It would raise a red flag to me. That would raise a red flag to me that somebody would call 911 that much. There's got to be a reason, either in their head, for real, or medically or something. Mm-hmm. There's there's a reason for that. Kaylin's family also noted that she left behind her cell phone, house keys, purse, car keys, and her beloved dog. Yeah, um, I don't know. You don't leave behind your dog. <laughs> yeah, we don't leave behind our dog. Nothing is right here. Mm-mm. And if the roommate insists that everyone was there, there was no dangers, that, that's got to be a red flag to somebody. Mm-hmm. This girl has some issues that we need to be a little more serious about. Yeah. Leaving her beloved dog behind is not something Kaylin would have done intentionally. So, according to family and friends, this led them to believe that she at least intended to come back at some point. Okay. Like, maybe she walked off to get some fresh air. Like, she just had it. Yeah, we all need that sometime. But without your shoes? Yeah. In the rain? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. After Kaylin was reported missing, her mother released this statement. We talked almost every day. On the morning of her disappearance, a Saturday, I talked to her on the phone as I was driving down the canyon. It was a normal conversation. She sounded fine. I told her, I'm driving through the canyon and I'm going to lose you. I'll call back later. But that was the last time we talked. I kept calling her that weekend, but she didn't answer. On Monday, I went to work and told my husband how weird it was that I hadn't heard back from Kaylin. So he tried to get a hold of her without any luck. Then, her roommate called me on Tuesday and asked, Have you guys seen Kaylin? I haven't seen her for a couple of days. That's when we began to panic. The next morning, my husband went down to look for her and found her purse, phone, and dog, Phyllis, at her condo. She wouldn't have left on her own without any of those things. My husband immediately got the police involved. It took me a couple of days to really believe it, though. I thought we'd find her. I thought she'd come back. Weeks passed without any sign of Kaylin, though, and her friends and family were left with the final phone calls and images of her taken on the CCTV outside of her apartment complex, where she stood barefoot in the rain. But honestly, I have to stop for a second and mention this. I find it very odd that Kaylin's phone was left behind for two and a half to three days before anyone reaches out to Kaylin's parents, especially with the roommate telling Kaylin she's acting strange or delusional. 
And then I did see somewhere that the roommate may have stayed the night somewhere that Saturday. So if that is the case, then this is definitely thrown out. So under this scenario, the roommate may not have been aware of anything until Sunday. And it's also possible Kaylin's phone was in her room and the roommate didn't venture in there. But wouldn't it be very strange if Carol knew Kaylin was acting strange, which you have to suspect she did. As Kaylin says on one of her calls to 911, her roommate thinks she's delusional and paranoid. Then Carol sees the phone and Kaylin's purse left behind. And finally, what about her beloved little dog? Someone had to take care of it for three days. It seems like a lot going on to wait three days to notify her parents. Yeah, um, who did take care of this dog for three days? Somebody did. I mean, was Carol home those three days? And Some things was, I've read says she was. <clears throat> Some things I've read, you know. But I mean, if she was home, then obviously she fed the dog. Do you normally feed Kaylin's dog? Is this something normal? I mean, these things tell you to go ahead and trigger it. Plus, if she was aware of the phone being at the condo, Kaylin's mom says she tried calling several times. Usually, yeah. you can see the incoming caller without being able to access the phone. Exactly. Yet, Carol does not once think to pick it up and say, Hey, I thought you should know. I haven't seen your daughter in two and a half to three days. She also left without her phone in her purse. It's just one of those things that doesn't set well with me. And then weeks turned into months with no sign of Kaylin until one day, two months after she went missing, her family got a call that no family ever wants to receive. Police in West Valley City found Louder in about three to four inches of water under a bridge because the body was significantly decomposed. Authorities could only identify her through dental records. And she was actually found the day before on December 1st, 2014, which was a Monday. But the discovery has only prompted more questions, honestly. So there is a creek that I mentioned that connects to the Jordan River that runs behind Kaylin Louder's home. However, because of how shallow it is, the Louder family's private investigator does not believe her body would have traveled as far away as it was found. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, she was found about approximately five miles from her home. Yeah. And if it was shallow, it would not, she would not have traveled that far. It depend, I mean, okay, it depends on what time of year. It's really, really cold. She's she, disoriented, doesn't know where she's at. She fell and hit her head. I don't know. And that's why she's in the drain pipe. If she was alive. If she was alive. She put herself in there. She get out of the cold and get her bearing straight of where she was at. I don't know. It's a good point. Do I totally believe it? No. Nah. But it's a, it's a vast possibility. to the autopsy reports to try and determine once and for all what happened to Kaylin. Her family would end up having to wait a total of four months to learn the results of the highly anticipated autopsy reports. When the report came out, the latter family released this statement to KUTV regarding the medical examiner's report on Kaylin's death. After waiting four and a half months, we received an autopsy report that lists undetermined as her cause of death due to exposure in the water. 
We knew this was a possibility, but we are saddened not to have more information or closure. Her toxicology report indicated nothing fatal or illegal in her system. Following this statement was one by family spokesperson Amy Fugel. We know there is more to her story. Her family deserves answers and she deserves justice. Without influential people in deep pockets, our family fears we are left to accept what the authorities have speculated. But we know this was not an accident. We will continue to investigate and do whatever we can to seek the truth and justice for sweet Kaylin. The Murray Police Department said this is still an open investigation, although they don't believe foul play is involved. I guess without proof, I can understand that because there is, like I said, the possibility, disorientation, temperature mm-hmm. of the weather, whatever. She put herself in there a little disoriented and to get out of the weather, whatever. The, it was raining, they said, so maybe, maybe it was cold and raining. I don't know. Okay, yeah, I mean, it was, like, fall area in Utah, and they actually yeah. have... Seasons that we don't. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, I, I guess I have to give them that, but as a family member, I also have to agree that... I want more closure than this. I want more closure. I want to know... I want to know why the roommate was so... Yeah, I hadn't seen her in a few days. She had fed her dog in a few days. She's just crazy, delusional. Yeah, okay, so you're just living with a crazy woman? And this is okay to you? Exactly. This has not bothered you before. You've not seen anything before this day, not one single thing before this day that made you go, what's wrong with this chick? And so when this day comes about, you would go, um, perhaps we need to get somebody in here that could help Kaylin. Or call her mom and say, hey, does she have a shrink at home? Something, something should trigger in the roommate's head more than, hey, hadn't seen her in about two or three days, so. Have you seen her? Seriously? Okay. All right. That's, that's, that's just a bit much in my book. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying the roommate did anything or whatever, whatever, but. It's confusing yeah. for sure. I don't know. I mean, I, th- I feel like they should have at least questioned her more. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree because something. You had heard the annoying ringing of that godforsaken phone. My point is, we've told the police she went down by the creek or she like she was heading that way. The state she was in, is there a reason we didn't like go up and down that creek and every every knot hole in every tree, make sure she wasn't in it or a piece of her wasn't in it, something? I, mean, I, don't, know. I don't know. I mean, I guess they searched. They just didn't search up to five miles away. Or maybe she wasn't there at the time. You see, this is all true. That's what. That's where the poor family's got to be standing. Is yeah. I mean, does somebody yeah. bring her there later to make it look? I mean, you know, don't know, you don't know. I don't know, and you would never know. That's the bad part. Exactly. I mean, her body was too decomposed to give any answers. That's all. It really is. That's just terrible. I mean, you have to be a little thankful that you have a body. Yeah. But. You do also have to say, well, what happened to my child Yeah. beforehand? Yeah. I don't, and I don't think any type of missing persons is easy, whether you find the body yeah. two months later, yeah. eight, two years later, if you never find the body at yeah. all. I, I think they all come with their own mm-hmm. challenge of, you know, I went through the struggle of having her missing mm-hmm. and she's still missing, or I went through the struggle of having her missing and... Yeah. Now her body's back. Yeah. I don't think there is an easy way. Mm-hmm. It's just sad either way. It really is. It's sad for the families. And that's why I wanted to tell this case because 
a lot of our cases don't have resolutions, mm -hmm. but I wanted to show that she was missing. They went through the struggle of having her missing. Her story needed to be told. And yes, we have the body for closure, but now we're on a whole new playing field yeah. from my child's missing to what happened. Mm -hmm. And it's still not an easy ride. And, you know, that's why her case is on if I go missing, because she was missing before she was murdered or True. drowned or whatever happened to her. Right. So that's why I personally wanted to talk about this case. Yeah, I agree. Open-ended closure. Yeah. And, you know, normally with our cases, we end in saying how you can contact for help. But I guess in this case, if you're a praying kind of person, just send your thoughts and prayers to the Louder family. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of If I Go Missing. If you have any case suggestions, you can email me at the Megan Noel. That's the M-E-G-A-N-N-O-E-L at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at the Megan Noel or the podcast Instagram at Megan Noel Podcast. You can also go to Facebook and find the page for Megan Noel Podcast and all the discussion groups for the various podcasts that we host. This episode was compiled by me, hosted by me, and co-hosted by Linda Anderson. Thank you so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again next week.